0: Two men called me up,
1: said Walrus, can you write my theme song to my new podcast?
0: What's your podcast called? Two max, Podcast. podcast two max, podcast Podcast. max, Hologram Podcast.
1: max, Hologram
0: Yo, what's going down? How you doing? Internet, webs, web world. Yo, this is the, the, the debut of the 2Max hologram podcast. Uh, my name is Alejandro Canyon Jr. They call me 2Max. And, uh, I want to thank AWOL1 for, uh, that cool little intro music. You know what I'm saying? AWOL1 from the shapeshifters. Uh, remarkable talent. And, uh, the homie right there made it, made a dope thing for me. And, uh, anyway, um, this is the beginning of what I hope to be. A series, a long, long series of, uh, of dope podcasts that's going to be, you know, a combination of things about my life, real life mixed with, uh, my passions with hip hop, karaoke and, uh, women, uh, and all kind of good stuff like that. So, uh, the reason it's called the Tumex hologram podcast, it's kind of a play on the Tupac hologram, which hopefully one day after I die, people will make some like, you know, it'll be a 2Max hologram and, you know, like, I don't know, my little sister or something, my little nephew could be making money off, you know, me coming out there and, and, and performing my songs, depending on who owns them or whatever. So I'm kind of happy when I saw that Eazy-E and the old dirty bastard holograms because it gives me hope, you know, that there's like another revenue stream for me in life. Like, but, um uh, speaking of Tupac, 2Max hologram, Tupac hologram, besides, uh, Besides always being next to Tupac in the in the record section at Amoebas, because we both have a two in front of our name, it's also it reminds me of the first time I ever I ever seen Tupac because I, I actually got to see Tupac perform. But um, I saw Tupac perform at the Glam Slam in in uh, downtown LA, which I think was Prince's club. But I I saw Pac before he was kind of gangstered out. You know what I'm saying? When I saw Tupac perform, he was wearing like a white silky shirt. With the uh, with like, what, white silky pants and like no no socks and like you know what I mean like Father MC you know what I'm saying he had like the little Bobby Brown headset and he was like humping the ground you know what I mean was, like R Kelly you know what I'm saying so like so for me like you know when I think about Tupac Shakur and and I'm not and I'm not dissing him because I mean he's a great lyricist dope rapper all all the stuff that he did but to me like you know I saw Pac on some. Bobby Brown, like humping the ground, you know, kind of thing. So later in life, when I got to see Pac being a, you know, gangster rapper and all that kind of stuff, I just couldn't believe it. You know what I'm saying? So I was just kind of like, for me, I was kind of like, that's kind of a trip. You know, w- when it comes to the Tupac, people are always debating whether Tupac or Biggie Smalls was like the best lyricist of all time. I always, what's up, No? What's up, No? It's your house, homie. You can walk through. We're good. You're good. Oh yeah, I'm talking I'm doing my podcast. Don't, don't worry about me. It's my roommate, Noel Deesky. He'll be walking around. You're going to hear a dog walk around. You're going to hear a dog shuffling around and, you know, you're going to hear people coming in and out and the mailman and all that stuff. But anyway, um, going back to the story, when it comes to the Tupac and, uh, Biggie, Biggie thing, I, I've always thought Biggie was the better lyricist. Personally, I'm not to be on some West Coast, East Coast. I always thought, I just always thought, obviously Pac had a lot more material, but I always thought Biggie was just like, was more in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? I think maybe the fact that I saw Tupac, you know, humping the ground, you know what I mean? Like that, like Bobby Brown when I was little. I thought that kind of like, it's kind of a whole nother thing. But anyway, um, there's going to be a lot of things that we talk about on this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about mostly we're going to talk about myself. And, uh, this is going to be the opportunity for people that, that kind of don't, that don't know me or always wanted to know me or really know about me. I'm going to answer all questions. You know, you can go on my Instagram, TumexOMD, and, uh, ask me any question, anytime about anything. It doesn't have to be about music. And, uh, I'm gonna try to answer it if, if, you know, wholeheartedly and, and honest, honestly and stuff. But, uh, this, this pot, what I'm, I'm hoping to really be like, this is really gonna be like my moment. I'm gonna put a lot of energy into this podcast. I mean, it's gonna be like, this is like my Howard Stern. Moment, you know what I mean? I'm really gonna like let go, you know what I mean? Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Casino and, uh, you've seen Robert De Niro, remember, remember when he kind of lost it? Remember when, when, when the, when the mob people were like, why do you have that TV show? Remember when <laughs> he had that show and he was just walling out when he kind of lost it and he just started talking about everything? That's, that's what this is. That's, what this, is. this, this show is going to be kind of like, um, it's going to either you're going to really be like, man, I really, and finally, finally get to get to know who Tumex is or whatever as a person, or it's going to confirm all everything you've ever thought about me where you were like, man, I knew this fool was an asshole. Like, God, I knew this fool was like a selfish asshole. So, so, you know, stay tuned. And, uh, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about today is obviously hip hop. I love hip hop. You know what I'm saying? In case you don't know who I am, I've been rapping since I was 17 years old. I'm 40 years old now. And, um, I started, uh, making hip hop. I just started being a fan of hip hop. You know, I grew up in LA. KDAY was, was on the radio, the original form of K Day. And, uh, you know, every morning I would wake up, I would get bus to school to Pacific Palisades High School and to Paul Revere Junior High in Brentwood. And every morning, you know, we, my mom would take me to the bus stop at seven in the morning and i on La Cienega in Venice and, uh, the bus driver, Used to be like, if we all, we all jump in the bus and the bus driver would be like, if you guys shut the fuck up, I'm going to play K-Day for you. And so we would shut the fuck up. And so imagine since the, since ninth grade all the way till getting out of high school, at least half an hour or 45 minutes every day, five days a week for four years, listening to K-Day, driving up the coast. You know what I mean? Driving up PCH and, uh, listening to, Big Daddy Kane, Biz Marquis, Beastie Boys, A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, all the golden era. I grew up during that golden era. And I got to like, I mean, literally 88. I was, I was a kid on the bus every day, Monday through Friday, being exposed to, you know, Easy E, NWA, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Ice T, Slick, Rick and Dougie Fresh, Queen Latifah. I mean, on and on, Kumo D, on and on and on. So my hip hop influences were really, really, you know, that was my main, my main influence was real straight East and West Coast hip hop. So I, obviously, you know, I grew up wanting to be, I wanted to be a rapper straight. I want to be a DJ, actually. I wanted to be a DJ real bad and uh, just didn't have turntables. We had a consola. So, you know, the consola is a belt drive. So my dad would be like, my dad fucking smack me in the face. If I fucking, every time I try to scratch on the consola, you know what I mean? And I didn't even have any records. My All the records we had were... Beatles at the Hollywood Bowl, you know, we had another Beatles, we got that dope Beatles record, I don't know if you know that Beatles record with, the one where, the one where there's a picture of them hanging over a ledge, and they're all young and fresh-faced, and then you flip the record over, and it's like the same picture like five years later, and then, no, what, what record is that? The Beatles one where they have a picture of them like looking over a balcony, and they're all young and fresh-faced, and then you flip it over, it's like a double one, right? The blue one, the blue one. It's like the greatest. It's like their Beatles greatest, Beatles greatest hit sixty-two to sixty-four. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get Nick. Every time Noah walks by the kitchen to go get a sandwich, or or the dog walks by, or he goes in the kitchen to get some ice. I think I'm. We're gonna mic him up for a second, or we're gonna have a standby mic for Deesky, so he can answer these questions. And, and actually, he's going to be a guest on the show pretty soon. But um anyway, so I, I I used to really want to be a DJ real bad, like real bad. And then um, I used to just, you know, I used to go to the swap meet. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was a child labor. Ever since I was 13, I worked at a video store on La Brea and Pico called Top Video. And I used to get paid under the table. So ever since I was even 13, I, I was always... Down with the concept of like, like fuck this government. I'm not getting. There's no taxes being reported. I was already like on some illegal business since I was 13. These Asian people used to pay me 90 bucks a weekend, and I, you know, you're 13 years old with 90 bucks every weekend. You know, you go to the swap meet, and I would go to the mid city swap meet and get me a Raiders hat, or you know, buy cassettes or you know, rec- you know records and cassettes and stuff. So I was all hip hopped out. You know, I wanted to be a DJ, and then um. My dad, my dad actually plays a uh, guitar. My dad plays keyboards. My dad I later in life, I found out my dad writes short stories and poems. And so, you know, it, I got it from him. You know what I'm saying? I used to always watch my dad in the back playing, you know, playing guitar, playing some songs. And there was always like little pictures of my dad in some like, you know, rock and roll band and stuff. My dad was into like that, uh, what is that stuff called? Bill Haley in the comments. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock, that kind of old rock like that. So anyway, long story short, I was really into hip-hop. I was really influenced by K-Day. And so, you know, just really into that golden era of hip-hop. Right around the riots, right around the time the riots kicked off, you know what I'm saying? I was right. I was just all about the swap meet. I was all about cassettes. I was all about the Source magazine. Back back when the Source magazine, yeah, of course I'll smoke some weed. Back when the Source magazine was a... Back when, like, everything that The Source came out with was super credible, you know. Back those first years of The Source, I would go um, to the Robertson newsstand on Pico Robertson. And either I would buy, I I probably only had money. I would have money for, like, one magazine. So I would have The Source and I would have uh, another wrestling, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big WWF fan. So I would either be like, I'm going to buy one of these and then I'm going to steal the other one. So uh, you know, either I would steal Pro Wrestling Illustrated and buy the source, or vice versa. But you know, if the source, which was a great hip hop magazine at that time, you know, the source, I, I just read it, it was religiously. I mean, it was like my Bible. You know what I mean? If the source told me to go buy Organized Confusion, then I would walk immediately to Music Plus and go buy Organized Confusion. If the source told me that that Red Man was the next artist, you know, the artist I needed to check, then I would go check Red Man. You know what I mean? And, uh, Basically, my influence of hip hop were just, you know, I was just really at that golden era. Excuse me for a second while I take a hit at this real quick. Hold on. Oh, yeah, that's the good stuff right there. Anyway, it was drugs, but we won't get into that right now. But um, anyway, just going back into my hip-hop influences. Uh long story short, you know, when I got to high school, I went to high school with uh Will I Am from the Black IPs. Uh Shifty Shell Shock from Crazy Town. Uh Ahmad. You remember Ahmad? Uh, back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I said I wish I was a kid again. So I used to go to school with all those cats and a lot more, man. There's a lot of, of hip-hop was really cracking. And uh I remember Ahmad in particular, you know, right before we got out of high school, that song was blowing up on the radio. And so, and, and we were just like, man, Amad's on the radio. It's crazy. Like this and that. And it was like a crazy concept to me. Even at 16, 17 years old, I never thought that if I started making hip hop that I couldn't blow up. Cause here was, a, here was a kid in class with me with the song, you know, with the number one song in the country, I guess, you know what I mean? And, and so even at a, at a young age, I was like, oh man, if I, you know, so I started rapping out there. I, I, I made a couple of like little, BS groups with, with, with some homies in high school, like really horrible names. I'm kind of embarrassed to say how 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 bad the names were. The names were like it would be like rapping is fundamental, <laughs> you know, based on reality. You know what I mean? I had no concept. I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to call myself. Uh at one point I wanted to call myself Spanish Poet Extraordinaire. That was like the worst rap name. That was the worst rap name ever, besides uh Mercer's old rap name, which was Encyclopedia Brown. That's probably the worst rap name I've ever heard ever. Shout out to Merce, but um. Anyway, so I try to make, uh, you know, I wanted to be a rapper, but I was too scared to like. I was barely writing raps on paper, so people like Ahmad and Will I Am were like, "Yo, you know," they'd read my raps and be like, "Yeah, go for it." And um, right when I got out of high school, man, I was like, I really want to do this. And uh, along with my best friend Robert, my homie Memo, rest in peace, and uh, there was a neighborhood DJ in my hood in Mid City named DJ Gonzo. Who was already the, the the DJ? He was already the quinceañera DJ. He did all the quinceañeras. He did all the functions. Man, this dude had all. the, He had hip hop. He could he could play Spanish music for the quinceañeras. He'd play oldies. You know, he could make your grandma get on the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? He he had it all, and I was fascinated by Gonzo. I used to be. I remember being 12 years old. I used to carry his records. I was that dude. I'd be like, okay, your records Gonzo." You know, like just so I could be around. I'd be in the, his backyard and watch him like spin and stuff like that. And um anyway, I was like, yo, I'm trying to rap. You know, I'm trying to rap. And um we were like, yeah, we're gonna rap, you know, what do we call ourselves? I remember being on the bus in eleventh grade, and um my boy Memo, he was like, We should call ourselves, our whole crew, we should call ourselves two Mex because we're two Mexican. And I was like, oh yeah, we should, right? I was like, here we are in Pacific Palisades. It's like 30% white, 30% black, 30% Mexican, Asian, you know? So we're like, yeah, we're too Mexican, you know? And and everyone was like, yeah, we're too Mexican. That's, that's right. So we're on the bus like, yeah, that's right. We'll tell everybody tomorrow, man. We're, we're too Mexican. That's the name of our crew. Of course, my, my dumbass, as soon as I get off the bus, I walk straight to the swap meet, go straight to the embroidery spot. And I'm like, yo, can I get this hat, get a black hat? can you put 2Mex and me- the Mexican, you know, I probably even got that. I remember I think I got the green, white, and red or the red, white, and like I got the color scheme wrong. <laughs> so it was so really Italian, you know what I mean? But I was like, so dumb, you know, like, can you get it like green, white, and red? Like So 2 max, right? So the next day I go to school and it's 2Mex, you know, I got this hat on and we hadn't even really seen anybody in school. And all of a sudden, you know, people were like, oh, 2Mex, that's what you call yourself, you know, that's what you call yourself. And um basically through the course of a day or two, as we were trying to tell people that we should call ourselves Tumex, people were like, you should just call yourself Tumex because people already think that I'm Tumex. And that was it, that's how stupid and simple I, I've named myself, you know what I mean? My homie named me like that. And then later we uh, we got back on the bus a day or two later and we were like, we should call ourselves the Latin Legion of Doom. <laughs> that was horrible, right? I mean, you're a kid, we have horrible ideas. They so were like, we should be the Latin Legion of Doom. Cause I, I was into the road warriors and shit. And, uh, and then we settled on a Mexican scent and, uh, it turned into a Mexican scent. And, uh, you know, from there after high school, the, you know, the four of us practiced, uh, my DJ Gonzo, he was a, he used to teach at LA high school and, the, and this homie of ours named Chris, they call him loser. He was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta put, you put put Danny. In your group, he's the best Mexican rapper at LA high school. Intelligent Aim, he used to call himself Intelligent Aim. And then uh, we were like, "All right, who is this dude?" So we would go meet Danny Cholo and uh, this fool laid up on a couch with his lady. This was like literally like 16 years old with like like his lady with her hand on his crotch. And we would go meet him and stuff. He's like, "Oh, you rap?" I was like, "Yeah, rap." He's like, "Show me something." So I like put in a cassette of me rapping over like a tribe called Quest Beat. You know, and he's like, Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. And then he he shows me a cassette, and we're like, yo, you should be in our group, man. And he was like, he was like, I'll go practice with you, but I'm a solo for, I'm a solo rapper. I'm not trying to mess with y'all, but I'll, I'll come kick it with y'all. So long story short, now we got five people in the back. Me and last Lancing are actually trying to write raps. Um Memo and Memo and Robert are kinda like, they just kind of fall to the wayside rapping-wise. They're like you know, they just like, it takes them like seven hours to write one line, you know, like times are hard on the boulevard, you know, like that kind of shit, you know, you need to go to the boneyard, you know, like some, some old shit. Like we're like, all right, you guys are rappers. You're the, you're the, you're the hype man. So me and Cholo Cinco, DJ Gonzo end up being the group, Mexican descent. DJ Gonzo's lady kind of, she thinks rap is a hobby and she's like, you'll never make it. And she's on his ass and shit to get a job, you know, so to work and shit. And just she's, she's really mad that we're in the back trying to, Trying to rap and shit. So long story short, we kinda let him go. And then it was me and Cholo Cinco and we just uh we just started getting into hip-hop. And uh we played a backyard party on, in Mid City. And then after that, from the first moment we ever rapped on the mic, every time we rapped somewhere, somebody would somebody would walk up to me like, Man, I want to be your manager, you know, and we would just roll. It just began the series of like ten years of managers were like Somebody would be like, I'm your manager, you know, like, and we would be like, yeah, buy us lunch then, or, you know, whatever. And uh, we just started going to shows. We met this dude, the militant mixer, Michael Moore, rest in peace, he passed away also. He had a mix show in, on like 88.9 or something. Very, very, very Muslim, very public enemy, ex-clan, very militant, the militant master mix. He'd mix in speeches by Malcolm X, mixing with like you know, conscious hip hop Paris and public enemy and X-Clan and all that stuff. And he was like, yeah, I need to take you boys to the good life. That's where you guys need to go. You need to go to the good life cafe. And we we're like, all right. He's like, and he's like also managed these other Mexicans. They're called Aslan underground. And they're like, you know, and i remember him telling us yeah i manage them too but you guys are better than them and i remember meeting aslan underground <laughs> they were like yeah he told us he he he's managing y'all but he told us that we're better than y'all <laughs> you know like so you know he was like telling telling us both that and shit but anyway i we actually appreciate that cuz my my uh aslan underground my relationship with aslan underground is something that to this day man 20 something years later those guys are all really good friends and, and they were mentors, man. They, they taught us a lot about, uh, about meaning what you say. We used to just rap and say anything. And, uh, they're the ones that taught us like, you can't, you can't say shit like that. They were like the original version of Immortal technique. You know what I mean? They were very, they were, they were, a, they were actually a pulse punk band that turned hip hop. Cause I think public enemy made a lot of punkers kind of go in a hip hop direction. You know what I'm saying? Like, public enemy anthrax all that kind of like before rage against the machine there was Downset and all these other kind of all you know so they they kind of went hip-hop and uh they were influential on us man on on me in particular they taught me how to like learn you know to to, to, you know to mean what i say i'd say some shit and they'd be like man you're talking about edward james almost that fool's a republican (laughs) you know what i mean i would say some shit and they they put me up on game you know what i mean so anyway but um so we, we went from there and from there I went to the Good Life Cafe, which, um, which kind of like changed my life big time. Cause, uh, that was, that was the place where I, where I really found my home. I mean, that was the creative hip hop mecca. You know, I got really lucky to, to, we went, we stepped in there like, I think February of 92 and we got to see, you know, Freestyle Fellowship, Medusa, volume 10. Chillin' Villain Empire, Hip Hop Clan, Pigeon John, and Brainwash Projects, Funky Trend, and uh, all, and Dark Leaf, and 60 other rap groups that ended up influencing my life and, and, and my future and stuff. So, you know, going to The Good Life was this, like, militant hip-hop open mic where you would walk in. It was only from 8 to 10 on a Thursday night. And so you basically, you'd get there right before 8, and it was $3 to get in. And if you didn't have $3 to get in, you you would have to sign your name on the list to perform in exchange for getting in. So, you know, we go in there, sign your name, and you get one song. You come out there, you get one song. You can't cuss. You can't disrespect women. You, and and the one thing that I learned more than anything, and this is the, the greatest lesson I learned at The Good Life, was you couldn't bite anybody's style. And that, to me, was like the, the beginning concepts of, Something that formed everything, you know, that I ended up wanting to be about. You know, we live in a, we live in a world now where like, I mean, when I listen to Action Bronson, he sounds like Ghostface Killer. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, I live, I live in a, I come from a time when like, you couldn't do that. You know, you, you would be shut down. You'd be like, what? This dude sounds like Ghostface Killer when he's by, you know, there'd be like a negative backlash. But we live in a time now where it's like, yeah, he sounds like Ghostface Killer. That's tight. You know, like people are like, you know what I mean? People really like something comes out and, and people are like, Oh, that's awesome. I, I want to do, I want to do that just like him. I'm, i will totally take everything he does and be another version of him, you know, which baffles me. You know what I'm saying? But, but, uh, which, man, which, which totally baffles me actually. But you know what? I, I sound like an old person like shaking my, shaking my, my fist. Like, Oh, back in the day, people would wouldn't steal styles, you know, whatever. But. That's that's my, my kind of thing. It doesn't really matter these days. You know what I mean? I, I think I think talent doesn't even matter. People, It's a popularity contest. The United States is a... On every level, everything is popularity and looks. And and it, it's like... Substance is almost like a third or fourth thing now when it comes to a lot of music and a lot of art. It's like, who's got the right campaign? Does he have the right look? You know what I mean? Is he in that right age bracket? You know what I mean? It's... I used to always watching movies, I would always see, um, you know, women ac- actresses talk about Hollywood. Once you get to be X amount of age, Hollywood just considers you out the game. Like you don't matter to, to Hollywood. You know, you'd be like 35 and that's old for an actress. And we, you know, and I used to be like, that's, mm. you know, I used to not get that. But now I get, I get it. You know, the rapper, I'm like, that's so funny that people just call you old school you you're like not 25, you know what I mean? Or like, or like, oh, you getting a little long in the tooth there. You know what I mean? But luckily with hip hop, you know, for as long as you don't fall off, luckily with hip hop is, um, there's a percentage of, of artists that as long as they stay razor sharp mentally and, and, and keep a high level of, of, um, have a high level of quality to their art. You know what I mean? They, they can stay relevant. One example is the the teacher, Karis One, who I, I just, we just did a show with in November. And, you know, seeing Karis One, who knows how old Karis One is. He's got to be in his 40s. And uh to see him completely rip down a stage with a thousand people and, uh you know, after being, doing this since 86, 85, 84, whatever, and and it being 2013 and, and him tearing it down, like just smashing it, you know, that that kind of gives me hope for, for hip hop, you know what I'm saying? So I kind of like that. But anyway, I kind of lost my way on the story of my life, whatever, rap wise, whatever. We'll, we'll constantly get back into that. You know what I mean? But Karis, one is 48. Karis one's 48, 48 years old. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so as an example, let's put 10 years in front of Karis one. Hip hop's like 50 something, right? Hip hop in general. Let's say it's 58. So. So if you were born, hip-hop might be 50 years old, 55 years old. So we actually don't know at this point what, what like we don't even know what an 80-year-old hip-hop person is. Like the future of hip-hop, like what is it going to be? What's a hip hop are going to be when they're 70? Obviously, they're going to be old. But what are they going to be? Like there there's never been anybody that's 65 and is hip-hop. Nobody's retired from hip-hop yet. So I think that's kind of like... I think that's kind of exciting. And at the same time, like there's a, there's a grand mystery to like, what are, you know, me, I'm 40. I've been rapping forever. I've been all over the world. I still, you know, I still play shows and I'm still going to tour and do all that stuff. But to me, even like, you know, being in a medium like right now of doing podcasts and radio and, and film and, and getting into other mediums and stuff like that. It's like, it's just an eventual growth of, of, uh, of us as people and, and wanting to, you know, touch, touch people on different mediums so I think that's kinda of crazy. But anyway, um I wanted to talk about a couple things. You know, one one like I said is about just hip hop in general. I've seen a lot of stuff. Um I wanna talk wait, about some story. stories. What? Story. Oh you want to hear a story? No, all right no, 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 your story you were in high school, you were finishing high school offline underground at- Oh yeah, go back to that yeah. one. Uh oh yeah, so so I started so OMD just turned into me and Danny. We went to the Good Life, and that's where we met a lot of the influences that that affected us. You know, like I said, Free Fellowship, all those groups. And what happened was that the Good Life once we went once, that was it. I remember going there, signing up. We were like the third group on the bill. First group was some Mexican dudes, and we were like, oh wow, there's some other Mexican rappers. Cool. And they were rapping about their shoes. Their whole song was about their shoes, and they got booed. And me and Danny were like, Uh-oh. "Uh oh, these black people ain't going to like us," you know. We we're like, "What is this?" And then the second group was Funky Trend, this this dope ass group that uh that that never kind of like even doesn't have a lot of records out, even in the underground. They have you have to really look their stuff up on the internet, but they're really they're a cornerstone of the good life movement. I mean, great style. I mean, I'm talking about. I mean, they're on some like high level styles and uh they they performed, and they blew my mind away, and I was like, "Wow, that was something dope and then after that we went on, and uh me and Cholan I think we wrapped over scenario by a Tribe Called quest, and we did we did okay, we didn't get booed, and we didn't necessarily super get cheered either, but it was like, "All right, nice try, guys, you know And I remember that being like, we survived that. I remember you know to myself being like Hey, that wasn't, we survived, uh, you know, 300, you know, Muslim people here. You know what I mean? Like, and then we watched the rest of the night and got to see things like Freestyle Fellowship, Medusa. And we were just like, and I remember to myself thinking, I'm never not coming here every Thursday. And I probably only missed from, from you know, it was, I was part of the second half of the Good Life Movement. The Good Life Movement really started in 88, 89. We were there 92 to the end at 95. So from 92... 93, 94, I probably didn't miss but one or two weeks. You know, I spent those two years every Thursday going to the good life and being part of that progressive hip hop movement, which at some point it started getting so popular that all the, all the groups like Freestyle Fellowship got a record deal to Island. Volume 10 got a record deal to Epic. Medusa, I think, was signed to Capitol. All these, all these people were getting signed out of the good life, and it was like this exciting time, where like all these twenty-year-olds, all your, year, all your, and I wouldn't even call them my peers because they were, they were, they were ahead of me. They were ahead of me artistically. Abstract Rude was younger than me, and he was ahead of me artistically by miles. I mean, he was already like, he was just doing psychedelic, hip hop. You know, there was groups out there like Darkleaf, who. If, if you were, you know, if you allow me to describe what Darkleaf, Darkleaf was like a group, imagine a psychedelic, all completely heroin out, drugged out, eight Jimi Hendrixes in one crew. Just eight black Jimi Hendrixes, all on acid, all on Heron, and, and dope, all dropping metaphysical hip-hop, hymnal, longevity, Blackbird, a metalogic, um, um, uh, all these dudes, you know what I'm saying? They were all dropping science. I mean, they're dropping like, you know what I'm saying? They were just, their, they, their whole language was, you know, bubble Nimrod, octagon, hex chamber, manifest anger, crush longevity, ranger. Like they were just talking all this. I was like, what? You know, they'd just be like talking all this deep metaphysical science. And so you had, you know, I was, you know, here I am 19 years old watching, you know, having Micah nine you know, blow my mind. I didn't even know what, I knew what jazz was probably a little bit, but you know, having like a nine, like, you know, a fight, a fight, a nigga and a white, the white can't fight, but the niggas at a side at a time on a mind on a body karate, la-de-body. you know, I'm just like, what? My mind couldn't even, you know what I mean? I couldn't, my mind was just like, what the, you know, volume 10 with his voice afflictions, like, you know, rapping like an opera, like some kind of opera singer, you know what I'm saying? Like all out of, out of time and out, time signatures, You know what I mean? Later in life, you know, I didn't even notice, but, you know, a 14-year-old bus driver is sitting there. You know, his dad was dropping him off at at the good life at 12, or I think he was like 12 or 14, and his dad would just drop him off, and he was sitting there in the crowd. There was a lot of people in the crowd that would go every week that never rapped, you know? I've seen videos of, like, exhibit and all these people, you know what I mean? A lot of people that, that would just be there and soak up. And later in life, kind of like not even make their move till later after, but just constantly being influenced, I being one of them for sure. I began, you know, being very influenced by um, this group called Chillin' Villain Empire, CVE. Uh, Nigga Fish, Riddler, Reckless, Trey Loke. They, they kind of took us under their wing. They took me under the wing for sure. They befriended me and uh, allowed me to uh, go to their house and record songs with them. They lived on 80th in Normandy, and they used to let me go to, it's called the CV Shack, and they let me, you know, I would go to The Good Life, and we would watch the two-hour program, and then out of that two-hour program, somebody would always be the most exciting. We called it the blow-up. It was like, who had the blow-up of the night? Like, sometimes a white guy from New York, that they, they would walk up there and sign his name on the paper, and everybody would be like, "Boo!" You know, about the button, he's whack. You know, this fool would just come out with some ill poetry and blow everybody's mind. You know what I mean? And be like, "Oh," you know, or like somebody would, you know, one of the favorites, you know, would be like, you know, "Oh, I've been working on this song all week," and you'd get to see Jurassic Five doing their early routines. You know, like throwing the microphone in the air and spinning around like the Jackson Five and catching it, or you know, all these kind of like routines and stuff. And so. I, you learned a lot about performing in front of a hostile audience, and you learned a lot about how to make your three and a half minutes count because you'd only have three to five minutes. You If you sign up, that's it. You get one song. You have one time to shine. And so it was like a discipline. And, and the other thing, too, is that most of the time CVE was running the sound. So what they would do, if you didn't have your own music, CBE had a cassette already of like 90 minutes of beats. So you would say, yo, give me a, give me a beat fish. And he'd just throw, you'd be like, give me a slow beat. So then he'd give you a slow beat. And so while you started rapping your song, he'd cut the beat out at a weird place and bring it in at a weird place and see if he could throw you off. He would like throw you off rhythm and stuff. So you would be like, you know, like there's many, and without telling you, so many, many a time, I mean, there was a time I remember I was like, give me a beef fish. And he's, and I started rapping. Da, 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 da. He cut it out at a weird place. And I'm like, and I look, you know, my natural instinct is stop and look at him. Like Did something happen? And then he cut it back on and you'd be like, da, 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 and you you got caught and you were like, and they'd be like, oh, you know, people would be like, and um so you'd have to kind of learn. It was like a training ground to perform. Also too, if you sucked, And this happened to everybody. I mean, I would see it happen to the best people. If you sucked, as soon as, you know, they'd give you a few seconds to suck. And then if you weren't getting better, it'd just be like, please pass the mic. Like 300 people. Please pass the mic. And you're trying to perform and you're trying to like... It's like the gong show. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like rapping. They're like, please pass the mic and like putting their hands to the sides and like, and so sometimes you'd say something so dope that they, they'd be like, oh, and they'd stop. If you could out, if you could out, you know, if you could impress them while they're trying to boo you or if you don't, it just get louder and louder. And then finally, uh, Fish would just cut the music off and be like, you, you've been pleased pass the mic. You know what I mean? And you have to get off and people get mad, you know, or if you cuss, if you broke one of the rules, if you broke one of the rules of of the, of the, you know, like if you cuss, you, I remember one time signing up and be like, man, I'm about to tear this motherfucker. That was it. I was like, nope, next. <laughs> like once I cuss, you know, I'm about to kill the shit. Yep. I was like, a all right. That was your week. So now yeah, you have to wait till next week. So like, just by cussing, you know what I mean? I, I saw I mean, I've seen Souls Mystif. I've seen a lot of great rap groups go up there and kill it or, or just cuss on accident and, and their whole thing would be, it'd be a rap. You know what I mean? So, so that was kind of crazy. But, uh, the good life, you know, once I started going there and I fell in love with the place, like I said, you know, Chillin' Villain Empire, LA Cool, the rifleman from hip hop clan, who was kind of like the head. He's the dude that he would sit in the front. And if you, he's that dude, he's the first person that's going to boo you. So he's sitting there with his arms crossed already, like, like, like the critic, like he's already grouchy, like a hater, <laughs> you know, he's like already sitting there. So like, now you're like, you've never rapped in, in this place before. And now you're like I'm Crenshaw on the hood. And like, you know, you're, you're, you're barely starting to like, I'm about to do this y'all. And there's just like this dude with dreadlocks with his arms, you know, tall dude. Like, and so you kind of like had to overcome all of that. You know what I mean? So. So eventually, you know, you started going every week. You started meeting people. You know, I remember our first people being like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, little Mexican homies. And um I think you had to earn your respect. So I think one time after being there for for like six or seven, eight times, me and Cholo Lancinco I had wrote a song called Where, Where You From Homes. And it was like a dope kind of like slow West Coast gangster beat. And it was like a song, you know, where you're from, homes about gang violence. And, and I had this choppy little verse in Spanish, you know what I mean? And dude, we killed it. And we was like, that was it. We blew up. Like we were the blow up of the week. And that was it. Like after that, like after doing one incredible song, you know, that you kind of like every week, you'd be like, man, next week I'm going to come with this. Man, I'm just going to write the song. Next week I'm going to kill him, you know? And, um, yeah, man, I was, you know, you got accepted by the family and then. Slowly but surely, you know, you become a staple there. And, you know, I would watch people battle outside. I'd go every week. Eventually I, I got to host it. And, uh, you know, people like AC Alone and, and, and Freestyle Fellowship and Abstract Root and Fat Jack and all these people, you know, we met all these great people. And that's where I actually first started meeting my first series of real producers. Um, this, this Iranian homie named Omid went into producing an album called Beneath the Surface, which was a great, A great compilation, uh, really dope. And, uh, my friendship with him, with Omid, and my friendship with another guy named DJ Nobody, um, Elvin Estella, who, who kind of now makes like really, he's like, he makes a lot of dubstep kind of stuff now, but like, he was really like, that's when he first started making psychedelic hip hop. And, uh, my relationship with them was the beginning of actually starting to record really proper material. The, The first time we were, you know, I've never, Recorded with, you know, stuff like, you know, getting people to really get down, you know. I was very fortunate at a young age. Around that time, DJ Khalil, who who uh, produces Self Scientific and he produced, now he produced like the Eminem album, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, all that stuff. He was like one of my first producers too. So like I was always meeting people that were making something and were showing me discipline because I had no concept. I thought I was just a rapper. I didn't know what what to do. So constantly over the these formative years, you know, I was meeting producers and, and different people that that would help guide me and through through our friendships, guide me to make, you know, music that I that I deemed decent. You know what I'm saying? But that good life era, man, you know, Pigeon John and uh I mean I remember Pigeon John being there and it being kind of like a Muslim a Muslim place and there was a lot of tensions between Mexicans and blacks, there was a lot of tensions between black black people and white people. And I remember Pigeon John, who if, if you don't know who Pigeon John is, he's half black, half white. He would be on the mic and he'd be like, How could I call my mom a devil when she makes me pancakes in the morning? You know what I mean? And I would be like, What? And he'd just blow me away with that shit. You know, I'd be like, What he'd be like, How can I call my mom a devil when she makes me pancakes in the morning? Like, you know what I mean? I was not only was the good life like a training ground for for, for trying to make good music and being a good writer but it was it was like lessons being learned about race and lessons being learned culturally you know cut chemists came out of there you know what i mean i remember Cut chemists being you know sweated a lot you know what i'm saying and uh can you can you grab me my phone that might be it might be the homie um, i just want to make sure i ain't the homie trying to come be on the show but uh, yeah oh uh, yeah maybe but uh so you know those those were like the formative years where where i got to learn a lot you know what I mean? So all that stuff to me is like, all that stuff means a lot to me. You know what I mean? So, oh, we word, perfect. What up, G? No, you're not, you're not even interrupting me, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you should, oh yeah, you know you gotta knock on the door. Oh, you were hearing them? I was have a seat, man. You're about to be part of the show, man. Like you just made my day, brother. Like you're a real friend, man. I highly hellu- appreciate that. So, uh. Oh yeah, we're going to get right into this, man. But, uh, and actually, man, speaking about the good life, by the way, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that's going to be happening on this, uh, podcast. Uh, um, good, I, I got my first guest already the first show, man. First 20 minutes got my first guest and this, it's none other than the legendary sick jackin from the almighty psycho realm. You know what I'm saying? Pico Union. What's up, man? Man, I do going to turn you up right. Let's make sure we're good. Oh, Rihanna,
1: on, on? there we go. Oh,
0: you're good, man. You're good, man. That's good, bro? Oh, man. Thank you for coming, man. It, this is a real homie, man. Like, I called him today. And I was like, yo, man, I know you're all over the world, but if you're in town, if you can come down and, and be down, you know what I'm saying? And here he is, man, like a G, homie. Like, that, that's what's up, man. That's right. That's how you're special. And you know what? It, it's cool that you came in during the part where I was talking about the good life. Cause Cycle Realm, you guys actually played at the Good Life a couple, more than a you couple of t- times. You took us there, remember? Yeah. I was, I was the one that, you were took, the one that took us yeah, over I don't there. I remember
1: that. We were you know, like 16 years old, I think. you yeah. like, you guys gotta check out the, this one, we're doing all the shows at ELAC and CSUN and all yep, that. Yep, yep, yep. And you were like, you guys gotta come check out the spot, the Good Life, man. It's like a, it's like a little nature thing, little nature bar, but you know, they got a little stage and you, and the same thing. We, we went over there, checked it out one day and we're like, this is tight. Yeah, you know? dude.
0: I'm, I remember you guys did, uh, Big brown boots. We did big brown boots, that's bro. And we did song. it, we
1: did it the first time we did it. Duke cussed. And so they cut, they cut stopped you did it. The Cust- yeah. The DJ was mad. He was like, man, why'd you have to cuss? Like, you guys are, you guys are killing it. Oh, uh, so, so come, you had to come back we next week? We came back. We did a different song, but, but yeah, it was dope, man. See, was, that's like, what I'm crazy. saying. You signed up and, and, uh, you put your name on the little list, come with your little cassette with your instrumental queued up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, I remember because, um, uh, you know, we were dressed like, you know we're from Pico Union, so we were in Dickies, we you know, white T shirt, little beanies, caps, whatever. And I remember what the was somebody was I forgot who it was, but turned around and looked looked at me and was like, You got
0: y'all rapping? Yeah, you, you're going up there. We're like, yeah, and they kind of looked at me like, ah, what is
1: You know, they probably thought we're going to be on some like. Because it
0: was like that yeah. around that time. You know what I mean? That 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 tension. Real tough crowd, bro. Oh yeah, man. I mean, remember we? I mean, I remember Cut chemists being walking around. They'd be like, you know, you fucking devil, like you little white get out of your white devil. And you would <laughs> be all like, you know, you would be all like, you know, what's up with this white boy with dreads? I mean, it was at that time. You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, I remember because I remember that was the time. I remember in high school. We would play football blacks against Mexicans. Like that's how racist it was. Like even out there in the Palisades where I was at and all the best, all the best black players and all the best Mexican fools, or at least the toughest would play against each other every day at lunch football. And every play was dirty. Yeah. Every play was like a sideline tackle and <laughs> every play was like, you know what I'm saying? It was literally like trying to like beat each other up. You it was know, it's cracking I'm back then. We're a different generation, man. We were. Dude, these dudes out here are soft with their little, with their little tight pants, man. They don't know what's up, man. You know what I'm saying? It's cool that everybody's all unity and stuff, but yeah, it was a different time, man. It was definitely. And, and like I said, man, Psycho Realm, you know, you, when, uh, if you ever seen the documentary on the Good Life called This is the Life that Homegirl from Figures of Speech, Ava DuVernay did, man, like, I really wish, I mean, I, you know, as a person that went to the Good Life, you know, you wish that she was four hours long, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Because there's, like, there's so many groups that didn't come out, like, even, like, a not even, like, a touch, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many memorable nights and all this kind of stuff. And so I was, like, man, like, I really, like, you know, once I saw the documentary, I liked it. Besides thinking it could have been longer and it could have included a lot of groups, I really, really, like, I wish... I mean, even for her smart marketing wise, yeah. it would have been smart have been cool. to like, you know, cause there was footage. I've seen the video footage of y'all playing. Channel,
1: remember Channel 9 came down yeah. and did a, a special on the good life. And that's when Rizai, uh, yeah, was, yeah. it was our DJ at the time, oh, yeah. uh, was, uh, was working at Kinko's and he had all these Psycho Realm <laughs> stickers. Uh-huh. So we, you know, we, he was passing them out. So when Channel 9 came, um, Everybody was, everybody that was doing the interviews would include us, like, oh yeah, you know, Good Life fan, boom, boom. And then they would name, like, talking about the groups, they would name Psycho Realm too. So for that interview, I think that's the only documentation yeah, I remember like, of, yeah, of yeah. us being included in some.
0: Well, but, there's also like an audio. There's, you know, like, some of the, the people that actually have the Good Life tapes, like, at times, Omid had him, and at times I had him, at times yeah. I like who had him. It's kind of like, you get bestowed these, like, there's like two boxes of, all the, like, what? Yeah. Oh yeah. You, I had them for, I had them in my house for about a couple of years back in the early, like in the late nineties, early two thousands. I had them and I, and then LA cool called for them. Like, yo, you got the good life tapes and dude on oh, me. Some of these, some of these people digitized them. So dude, I, I, I know that at least big brown boots and you have another, I think you guys did scandal. Did you guys do scandal? No, it, was, uh,
1: it was, it was, it uh, was another uh, one. It was another one. It was, uh, what was the name of the song? Cause I heard it. Somebody was playing it on like this, uh, Online radio show, one, one of, of the d- yeah, so one of the DJs. The one with Brown banned. Man. This is when yeah. you guys had a
0: Brown Man, another member.
1: And, yeah. uh Because I, so, I, 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 I gets wrecked, I think, because I gets wrecked. Like if I crashed my auto, we'd scratch that Sun thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Which right. Was, I gets wrecked, I think and, it was.
0: And so, and so, like you know, so just want to you know let people know, man, because Psycho Room was definitely part of that. And and you know what, people, you know, you would go to it. And sometimes people would just go to it, play once or twice, and then, you know, move on, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it definitely, you know, you were part of that tapestry, man, and like, and that really is like an important ass, like, and a really important ass part of, of this LA, of this LA underground scene, man. And, and, uh, and actually, man, now that you're here, man, like, we can really get into, you know, I've, I've heard you in interviews. Me and you, you know, me and yeah. you do podcasts and interviews and all this kind of stuff. And, and of course, sometimes, you know, you, you know, people just have time for what's the new album? What, oh, you guys are playing at the Staples Center, yeah. all this kind of stuff. The regular question. Yeah. You know, the good, you know, the, the, the informative stuff. Yeah. But man, I want to really get into it, man, like with you, because we go way back, man. I remember, I remember, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really get into it. I remember seeing you guys at ELAC, you know what I'm saying? Like weren't were you guys called natural herb before? Was, yeah, natural herb. That was Psycho uh, Realm, right?
1: That was before Psycho Realm and it was herb was URB, like short yeah. for Urban. We thought we were cool. Right, you know? right, right. But it was uh there was a couple other uh, MCs or the other couple members that were in the group. You guys group had at a girl time.
0: you guys had a girl in your group, right, didn't you? No, no, no. No, was it curve. oh she just came out that one yeah. time?
1: It was two other dudes.
0: Okay. I thought I seen a girl one time just rap with y'all. Yeah. So she might have just came out as probably, a guest yeah, one time, yeah, right? Probably. Like a, like a dark skinned Latina. You know probably, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah tall. But it was no, uh, we never had a girl in our group, but yeah, okay. Natural
1: Herb. And then Psycho Rome, I think was when we really got serious about, you know, all right. formation and everything like that. And, 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 you know, we wanted to have, you know, the two dudes that, that were in the group dropped out. It was just, it was just, uh, uh, Jojo. Jo, he went by Brown Man and, uh, Duke and myself. <laughs> And me and Duke kind of just sat there and thought of a name, you know, and we we're like, man, what are, what are we going to call ourselves? You just, you want to have something that's going to stand out. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? yeah something yeah. that's going to be different, you know, and at that time there was dope names like, you know, a tribe called Quest, Cypress Hill, like, the, right, you know, right. People right. were actually think, putting thought into it, and, you know. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was dope, but yeah. The I, those, realm.
0: I remember, man, I remember those, those like form, even like, even the concept of the gas mask. Didn't you have like, you, you were, didn't you have like another kind of like a flight mask or something? You know, did you ever before the, that kind of like gas mask? Before the logo, it was, uh. Oh, didn't you have some goggles? It was beat. yeah, it was beach rockies. These, the goggles, goggles, these, these are like, come on. Cause you know, obviously, man, you have this hella original look. You yeah. know, what I mean, you're tall and your bro, you and your brother, like, I remember you and your brother just being like this imposing vibe. I mean, dude, I mean, I remember your brother just walking around in like a fur coat with no shirt on, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, you know what I mean? Like, just walking around like, you know, on some crazy shit, but, but, um, Yeah, man, I remember those one time, too, you guys had goggles, and, you know, my group uh, of Mexican descent, me and Danny, we always, from the first time we saw you guys, we were always like, man, these dudes are dope, man, like, these fools are sick, and, you know what I mean? We... You know, we we got lucky enough to play with you. And then, did we actually, didn't we actually play, did we actually play the show where where B-Real saw you the first time? La Placita yeah, Olvera? Vera.
1: was the end body of warfare concept. And that was
0: so that ill, was you tight, know what bro. I'm saying? I remember me and Danny were on, I know at that time, me and Cholo and Cinco were at the height of our good life-y, ribbity-ribbity, you know. like yeah, We were on some, it, yeah, we were on some like, you know, we were totally, like, trying to, we were... Influenced by the good life and, and, you know, you know, freestyle fellowship and our, we were already like turning into Mexican jazz rappers, you know, all that, you know, it you mm-hmm. know, all that kind of stuff. And remember that was the show that, you know, later on that Room played at that, that first, you guys may be real, right? Yeah. And it started the whole, you know what I mean? And that, that was so, I remember that those moments, I remember right before the first record came out. And, uh, I just remember being like mad proud of you guys. Cause I was like, you know, Cypress Hill was like, I mean, still is to the day Cypress Hill was like this, you know, to have Cypress Hill come and and be like, yo, I'm going to make you part of the tapestry of what we did. And then yeah. for you guys to turn it into not not even like take a baton on I me, mean, like to turn it into like something else. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like it was like it's easy to say at that time, you know, even back at that time, it's easy to say like, hey, I got a Real Colesan. Hey, I'm I'm but you know, remember the Soul Assassin sound, you know, that with yeah. the House of Pain and Funk Dubious and the Hooligans and, uh, Fatal and all yeah. these. Fatal, yeah. Fatal was yeah. hard, right? Fatal there was a dude named Fatal, uh, he was on, uh, he was from New York, right? Yeah. He was on East West Atlantic. He, he actually was on that song live at the barbecue with, uh, Nas, yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, large professor, whatever. That's kind of his yeah, most famous little with, thing. He was working with mugs at that time. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. And so, you know, t- there was this whole, the soul assassin sound and all the stuff. And, and by the, and that was already cracking. And then you guys clicked up with them, made the debut Psycho Rome album, which was, which is a, a fucking classic. And then from there, you know, with the circumstances, what happened, you know, what happened to your brother and, and where, that kind of thing that that crushed everybody could have easily been the end of it. Yeah. Could have easily been, I remember, I'll never forget when I heard that happen. And then I remember kicking it at Martin's Records. And Martin from Martin's Records was like, yeah, everybody was all, we were all sad about that. And everybody's like, well, we know we need to organize a show for them and fundraiser and yada, yada. And I remember being like, damn, man, like, where do you go from this moment? Yeah. And you guys were, I mean, after whatever happened, I mean, you guys just, obviously there was like a break to, to go through that, but then man, the next record came out and then with him on, you know, and yeah. all the net and then, you know, cynic and everything, you know what you mean? Yeah. You just, you guys turned into this force.
1: It was him though, man. It was my brother that, that, uh, you know, once we got him home to, to out of the hospital and the, you know, all the little convalescent homes or whatnot that he has to go through before he could uh-huh. go home. My parents wanted to bring him home. So once we got him to the house, to my mom's house, um, and he was, you know, he got past the, you know, the, the beginning stages of having to deal with the situation and his condition. He's the one that told me like, what are you, the fuck are you doing, bro? You know what I mean? Cause I was living in a bottle, bro. You could only imagine oh, my big yeah. brother. That's, you know what I mean? It's, all the momentum that was getting built. Yeah, and, you know what I'm and, saying? And, and, you know, and, and, you know, but, but before all that, it's just, that's my older <laughs> brother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and he, he's sitting there quadriplegic. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's a, it was a fucked up all the way around. So he's the one that told me like you need to snap the fuck out of it and just put these records out we got two albums worth of music put that shit out people need to hear it you know what i mean so that's when we put out the war story book one and then two years later put out book two and you know the support of the uh, of the people though man it, it's crazy you know what i'm saying we we oh. were independent during those records oh yeah yeah no
0: i mean even me as a as a, as a homie man like mm-hmm. i took it so hard where i i couldn't even see you know what i mean i felt yeah. like i couldn't even Go, you know, what I mean, yeah. I remember finally going after years, you know, and, and, and I know that. So I can imagine what it's like. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I have my best friend pass in my arms, man. And I remember I just took two years off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I, so the, but, but the sound, you know, I, I think that psycho realm in the last 10 years, I think that eight to 10 years, I think that you guys have influenced Chicano hip hop. I, I honestly believe that eight out of every 10 Mexican rap groups in the last eight to 10 years sound like psycho realm. Or or our influence completely like you know what I mean it went yeah. from like there was this cypress hill you know cypress hill and and other you know there 's always been other like melo Manese and Kifros and you know there's other there's other there's other you know rasa rappers that that do their thing all res- respect to them, but your movement, the sound the streetness the, you know the advanced rhyming techniques you know what i 'm saying the, the you know the, I think that honestly man, you guys have laid like a foundation because i i mean i'm a dude in the trenches i'm a dude that plays backyards i play little clubs every week with 50 people all that stuff mm-hmm. and i see all the opening acts and i see that they're all cycle influence you know what i mean like i'll yeah. I see the influence that, that you guys have laid on the people and it's camouflage and masks and oh dude and it, and dark you know that that beat that down, yeah. down, down <laughs> you know those kind of samples yeah. and the oldies you know um um let's let's get into a you know going back to that time or whatever like you know, and big shout out to Duke who still calls me to this yeah. day and still talks to me and still texts texts me. And, uh, you know what I mean? He's a G, man. I remember I went to see him at the house not too long ago and he was like sitting there and he was, and there was like people bringing him shirt designs yeah. and he was, like 60 of those. Yeah. 30 of those. Yeah. I don't like those yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and he was like shot calling man, yeah. and, and making beats and you know what I mean and making things happen and you know like and you know every time I go over there to work with him every time I go over there to drop a verse we don't get nothing done because we just end up talking Yeah. so every time I go over there he's like you run, drop a verse I'm like I'm here man let's do something and we just start talking about things and start talking and start talking and the next thing you know it's like two three hours go by I'm like shit I did you know what I mean like, did you meet him when he was at CSUN? Oh, back in the day? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: he used yeah. to, he used to have, uh, he used to, he used to be roommates. Well, you know, those, was, he was in the dorms. He was a Camp yeah. Snoopy. So there was, uh, it was him and DJ Pete who used to, <laughs> who used to do a lot of the matchup parties at CSUN. Right. And then there was two, like they had two of the roommates that were just like, you know, there to study, but right, right, right. But these guys used to have all the after parties. Heard, poor guys, the two roommates that they had, man, they probably never got any sleep. Dude. They were probably like
0: North, getting North hotels is,
1: and shit. Northridge
0: yeah. used to party though. Yeah, we used to go. I remember, Metcha I remember the, this whole concept of like. The Metcha being mad at the students in Metcha because they were like more about partying and meeting girls than actually getting shit done. And you were like, Metcha, uh, North is one of the liver schools, man, for partying
1: for sure. For sure, bro. Yeah, it was.
0: It definitely was, man. I used to, I used to take my little bucket up there and, uh, drive up there and get off on Roscoe. He's, you know,
1: he used to have a, a a 79 Regal. It was pro, it was pro blue, so it was white. And, you know, when you look at it against the sun and you see the blue tint and all that, Uh he used to drive it into the, to, to over the grass and the hills and all that, park it right in front of the door so he could charge the batteries for the <laughs> hydraulics, bro. Like, security <laughs> but, used to always be like, what the fuck are you doing, uh, did, bro?
0: Yeah. Well, oh, let me tell, let me tell a couple of my favorite Duke stories. One of them is Fado Dos. Remember that? Yeah. That favorite show? Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I believe it was right here on um on a Redondo at this little jazz club called Faye which which they used to do a lot of shows at. I think now they really use it for music videos. They use it for music videos a lot, you know what I mean? So, uh, but anyway, I I believe it was Psycho Realm. It was a Mexican descent, then Ansan Underground, then Psycho Realm, right? It was for their release party. Yeah, yeah. And it was, and it was a. I remember, you know, packed show, crowd out of control. I remember two. I got two stories about that day. One was the show's over. Kid breaks his leg. You know about this one, right? Kid breaks his leg in the mosh pit, right? And he's sitting there, like, he's sitting there waiting for the ambulance, laying on the curb, like ah, 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 like with a bone sticking out of his leg, right? And he's like ah, and I mean, and I swear, because I saw this with my own eyes. Your brother straight hit him, like, like, like just straight hit him on the leg, like that shit don't hurt. Dog, stop being a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh man, that's cold, dude. People were like, oh, and he was like, ah. Oh. And he was like, stop being a bitch, homie. And we were like, damn, dude, that's cold. That's
1: fucked up. That's
0: number one. Number two Isn't was after dumb. the Oh, dude, it was funny. Number two was after the show. Um, you guys were going to Power 106, I think. And you yeah. and, and Duke was like, What's up, man? Let's roll, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to go to Power 106, man, with, with us? We, we're heading out there right now. Like Friday Night Flavors yeah, at the some, Baker Bunch Yeah, something, right? And you guys were all like, you were mobbing out. The show's over, we are all kicking it. And they were like, and Duke was like, yo, you want to go with us to Power one six? Come on, man, we'll be on the radio. And I was like, oh, man, I'm down. I was like, you know what? And I had like a girl at the time. And I was like, you know what? I, I got this girl right here. She's been waiting for me since, you know, we've been here since nine. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like one in the morning. She's been like sitting on the side waiting, you know, and so I'm like, I swear to God. He looked at her and he goes, bitch. You want him to go to the radio show, so you should want him to go to the show. You and I was be. all like, don't talk to her like that, fool. Like, like he was just, his energy was so wild. Dude. Aggressive, bro. Oh, was dude, his, and I was, I'll never forget that, dude, because he, he was just like, he just looked at her like, bitch, you want him to go to the show? And I was like, yo, don't talk to her like that, because she was so, like, naive. Yeah. She don't know, you know, she was all like, just waiting for me on the side, like, waiting for me to get done. And I'll never forget that. And, I, you know, I, I should have went, man. I should have been like, bitch, get away, you know. But, uh, but, uh, I remember that energy, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just that, you know, just that energy, man. And like, I still, you know, and when I look at him and I still see it in his eyes, Yeah, I see that smile yeah. and I see that energy, man. And I see that and I see that. And, and I was lucky, you know, I've got some pictures from, uh, I got some pictures, man, from before from, uh, it's, uh, I know he's there. You're not in the picture, but it's like. It's like him, me, my homie, and, and uh, Esteban Orio. Yeah. steve Yeah. And rocking that. Uh, what was that first clothing line they had? Not Guilty. Not Guilty. That was Big Lucky. Yeah, like yeah. That. And rocking all that. And we are like at a car show. And we we're all like, you know, chilling. You know what I mean? I have like pictures of some like, I dig up pictures and, and just see like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I uh for me, like of Mexican descent and, and myself with you guys, man, like we've always been, you know, I remember turning to you when I made B-Boys in Occupy Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we did. I mean, Doctors Drums and Dangerous to a lot of Mexicans in L.A., man. It's like yeah. the ultimate song, yeah. you know? And and it was cool that we got to do it uh, last year, at the, at the even though we just kind of, like, threw it together. But it was cool that we got to do it. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Well, anyways, we used to host the Life radio. Uh-huh. And we played it every show for, like, three years. Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. That's why Crazy. people like, that why people yeah. get into that. Like, so, dude, that song, we did it. We've That's only done it twice that I know of. We did it once in Fullerton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remember this one yeah. show in Fullerton? Yeah. Where, where like, I, I mean, this is like, where, like Harbor and, uh, and Orange remember th- Remember, the, the, remember the people were beating
1: up the security? Yeah. And you, and well, you. we had to tell security because se- security, uh, uh,
0: security wanted to, they
1: shut the sound down. Uh-huh. They, and I told the dude, I go, put the sound back up because if you don't put the sound back up, these people are really going to get rowdy. You know what I'm saying? Because security gets scared when they see the, you know, big tatted up Mexicans moshing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't get scared when they see them at the, you know, at a suicidal Tennessee's concert doing it. But for some reason at a psycho room show, they get all panicked out, but nobody's tripping. It's like somebody falls, they pick them up. You yeah, know I mean, yeah, it's yeah. all love in there, but it's just part of the ceremony. You know what I'm saying? And, and these guys were trying to shut it down and they turned the, the sound off. And I told security, I go, Hey bro, you guys don't turn the sound back up. You guys are going to have a little riot in your hands right here. Yeah. So Homo was like, turn the sound back up. And they turned it back up. We did a couple more songs
0: and we, and we were out. Yeah. But- I, I remember that they had a lot of like women's security. And, yeah. You know, they had, they were really not staffed. Nah, not for that show. Not for that show. So I remember we did it then and that was dope. And then, uh, and then we did it. And then I remember one time, I, uh, I remember one time I got to, I think I have the poster here in my house. Um, I remember one time I opened up for you guys in downtown. I think it was at Glam Slam too. And I remember that I played really early. It was like one of these like festivals and I'll never forget. It was like at this point where your fans were wilding yeah. and like, my whole I, like half of my show was like i'm rapping in the crowd like psycho psycho, psycho. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm like da, 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 it's like psycho, psycho. you know and, and only honestly only with Wu-Tang Clan yeah do you get that you know what i mean like yeah. only like a psycho show or like a wu thing i one time i remember opening up for uh Ray too and people for like a few minutes were trying to do that to me too. And I just jumped in the crowd and then they're like, after I rapped like a song, they were like, all right, we're cool. Yeah. But like, you know, you're trying to rap and forth. They're like, woo, it's like, you know, how, you know, how does it feel to have, I mean, you guys, you know, I know what it's like to have people have my face tatted on them and like my lyrics and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but it's like, I mean, you really have an army, man. Like I, I'll be in France, you know, I remember being in France playing on a boat. And all these, and I was like, what is all these Mexicans doing? They weren't Mexicans. They were French, but because they were dressed like y'all, <laughs> they looked all, I mean, they all looked <laughs> Crazy, like, bro. they all looked like they were from like white fans or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were yeah. from straight up from the movies. Dog. And I was like, and I was like, and they were, man, they had the gas mask. And, and because of the association I have with you, that's why they came to see me. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, what? Two Mexicans down in Sacramento, you know? But dude, I, I mean, all over the world, Spain, um you know japan
1: I russia remember,
0: yeah dude i remember playing a car show in japan and i swear dude though it was so funny because the whole hour before i played it, there was only two djs so the dude before me i was the only dude that played so the dude before me he basically played you guys for an hour yeah. Then I came on and played for an hour. Then the rest of the night was you guys, for another really? DJ, you guys for the rest of the night. I was like, And we were like, and 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 I don't even, you know, this is in Japan, so I don't know what they're talking about. But my, but my, one of the people, the, the promoters, was like, every time he says that, he's saying "psycho roam all night, psycho roam all night." So he was like, "psycho yeah. roam all night." I mean, "psycho roam all night" and two mix. You know, I was like, only when I'm playing, you know. What I mean? But it was like, you know, what I mean, so it's like your effect, you know, on. Uh, on a generation of hip hop. I mean, I think only now, now you, you guys stayed independent, you know, yeah. other than the Columbia record, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, we, and even with that Columbia record, you know, the video, you guys made great videos. And I felt like, I felt like MTV and the industry was not trying to let you guys in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I I mean, I was like, your, weren't your videos getting banned for being too violent? Yeah. Like,
1: they weren't even that, We're they like, weren't even violent. There was no violence in our videos, but, um, that's how we told them. Like, what do you guys want us to do? Wear like a shiny purple suit and and dance around in front of a boombox because that's what people were doing. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm t- I'm at, at MTV at those times, and it's like, man, there's no violence in it. I guess it's just it. What they probably meant to say was that your videos are too intimidating. You know what I'm saying?
0: It, it presented because you know what, Be, being from Pico Union and being the raza tatted up, and you know. You know that shit's slightly gang affiliated that you know what I mean yeah it was like it was like to them that Im- it was too strong of an image they were yeah. like nah, we don't want you know if you think back to the past, yeah. remember brownside, yeah, remember brownside who came real gangster, yeah you know i worked i worked for uh I worked for relativity records at that time, mm-hmm. doing the marathon shit yeah. and all that stuff, and I, you know I worked bone thugs and harmony and all these all these all these you know I worked all that easy e roofless shit and um and not everything on Roofless was, was gangster. I mean, he had black eyed peas and blood of Abraham and all that yeah. shit. But, but Brownside and, you know, all the things, you know, they were straight gangsters. They were for
1: real, bro. I oh. think, I think out of all the dudes in the album cover, like, there's one guy that's still alive or something.
0: Well, they're not, you know what? I think the, the, the main homie that I knew, the main rapper, I think he went to prison forever or okay, something. Yeah. So yeah, they were for there's real. Like, they were like one real. dude that's still free yeah, and alive. Yeah, man. If it. you ever, if you guys go on YouTube and punch up yeah. Brownside, man, they, they had this one album and it was kind of like, it had easy ease backing. Mm-hmm. There was some rasas. Yeah, like, he's the stripper. one that put them out. Yeah, some gangster fools, man. But they were, you know, that imagery, uh, to me, Psycho Realm was, and obviously the music's like, oh, you know, apples and oranges, two different things. But, but, but the movement of Psycho Realm, even more slick because you guys were on Columbia and because you guys were more high concept than, than Brownside. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like the only thing I could ever compare it to because mm-hmm. even the Kid Frost era, the Slow Pain, the, you know, that, the lighter shade of brown, all the, like, uh, the Conejo and all the, you know, the, what they call Mexican rap, you know what I mean? Like that, that whole, which I'm not even all educated in all, all these dudes, you know, Mr. Shadow, all that kind of stuff, you know, all that stuff is almost like, can only be somewhere. They only, they put it in a niche when records, when there were still record stores, Mm -hmm. it'd be like Chicano rap. Yeah. And it'd be like, you know what I mean? You had to be subjugated to. You're automatically
1: going to be in that box. And I think that's something that we consciously uh, stayed away from. You know, we yeah. didn't, we didn't do low rider shows for that reason. Because we, we were like, we don't want to be put in a category. We want to do shows with, uh, well, you know, Wu-Tang, Pun, Rest in Peace, like all these dudes. We don't just want every, the industry to think that they automatically have to group us with a Kid Frost or a Mellow Man Ace. And no disrespect to them. Oh yeah. But just, we didn't just want to be limited. We, that's, We didn't want to be limited at the end of
0: the day. Yeah, anything. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think the car show circuit, the car show circuit put put you in a place where, where once you got into it, that was the only place you were going to kick it. You know, I I remember randomly getting invited. I I play, I randomly played car shows, man. I I was lucky enough to play car shows with Kid Frost and and Slow Pain, and I'd go to Texas, man, and they'd pay they'd pay me to go to Texas. And then when I got there, they'd look at me and be like, "You're two max," you know, like they'd book me because somebody wanted wanted me, but then when I got there, they thought I would be a whole... And here yeah. I am over here rapping over like other... You know, doing my thing, which is kind of alternative hip-hop, whatever. And, you know, they would just be like, oh, yeah, this is not what we thought. You You're know not, I mean? You were cholo enough? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. You know what the... And the, the funny shit is that, you know, there was a point where where the... Where uh, Sony... There was a point where I went to talk to Sony and, and I had a meeting with Epic. And the funny thing about... About dealing with Sony or, or record labels was at the time... They wanted me and Chola on Cinco to be, to be bald headed and be all like this and that. And we were like, nah, we don't do that shit. And the funny shit is that we end up looking like that anyway. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? We ended up looking kind of like, like the way we ended up didn't want to, to look at the time. Yeah. I remember, um, cause I was picked up by, da- uh, Darren Dash, who's Dame's Dash brother. Okay. He, he tried to sign us, man. We did a show at USC and Dame, uh, Darren Dash was like, man, you put money behind us and recorded a demo, all that, where you from homes and all that old shit. Yeah. And because he was like on some like, I don't like the way y'all look, man. Like we had like two little homies with us and he was like, your homies look weak. Like they don't, you know, you guys look like, and then we were like, these are our people, man. Like we, we are who we are. And I remember him wanting us leaving him because he wanted to make us into to something that, you know, you didn't want at the time. You were like, whatever. But you know, it's funny how you kind of like, as you grow, you progress into what you want to be. You know what I mean. But it. But in retrospect, sometimes I think like, yeah, man, maybe I should have took a swing with the major once, just to pimp them for the video, to That's pimp it. them, pimp them for the exposure. You <laughs> That's know, what you gotta do. I really, really, you know, there was a time when the visionaries got approached by Columbia and, and uh, Matador and all these labels, and we chose to stay independent. But I was the one out of all the six. Guys that was always like, man, let's just take one year and go be on Columbia, dog. Like, if they drop us, like, who cares? Like, we'll have three dope video or video. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of like... Thing,
1: the best you know? thing that happened to us was uh, was putting that record out through Rough House because they, you know, at that time you didn't have the internet. So it was more like, you know, you needed money to actually be promoted and promote yourself in other countries and all that. And because it was Sony, you know, one of the biggest distributors in the world at the time... They had that reach and they promoted us all around the world. And that's why now when we go to Bulgaria, you know, and we would go to, you know, uh the Czech Republic, like they know our stuff because Sony had that cover. That you kind know of reach. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that laid a good uh uh foundation for us as far as like even when we went independent, we were still able to go and we were already known in those markets because of that promotion from the first album, the association with Cypress Hill and all that stuff. And Cypress Hill is huge in all those markets still is. So it helped us out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's where you kinda you you know, even when I did the record with mugs, I did it through my label through through Rebel Music Group, but I still did a um it was still independent. I just got a distributed through Universal because they have the reach. You know yeah, what I'm yeah.
0: And that's and that's one thing I learned after, you know, working for the industry and kinda even after it, you know what I mean? Even in these last five years, now that the industry's kind of blown up and it it only exists if you make it now. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, no one's, you know, when I talk to a lot of young rappers, and they're, they're, you know, they they think that they really think that like some label's gonna roll them up, and I'm like, it doesn't work like that no more. Like that doesn't, ex- it, it doesn't Record exists. deals don't exist no more. Yeah, they don't. So it's like I'm starting to wonder you know, if
1: the record industry even exists anymore.
0: I mean, somebody's <laughs> made, Yeah, well, somebody's getting paid. It does exist. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they just had to revamp. What happened was to me, like the whole record industry fell over a cliff, and if you didn't, if you weren't up on game, yeah, you just went over that cliff too, and just. You know, there's a lot of artists out there that are really good that they were so used to always being on a label and being taken care of and always having a booking agent and always having this. And then when that kind of dissipated, they're like, they don't know what to do and they're still talented. They're still able to make money, you know, and, and, you know what I mean? I I mean, I'm part of a group within the visionaries with all due respect that we only play three times a year and it's just a waste. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, because we, we don't, we only play a couple times a year. It's like man, like it's you know what I mean, like it's dude. Some some cats just paid us eight grand to play for six people a couple weeks ago because they just wanted us to play at their house, and we were like, that's how much people love us, you know what I mean? Like, you guys just you know, as the visionaries, yeah. you guys only do three shows a year. I mean, probably dog, Crazy. like three to five dog. Like we don't really play a lot, and so it's like you know you think about all the the foundation that you laid, yeah. You know, on on contrary you note, know, me. I mean, I, I play in everybody's backyard every weekend. So it's like my 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 thing by myself. I'm almost devalued myself be, because I'm so accessible. You know what I'm saying? I'm almost I, I turn myself almost into a played out thing where I'm only rolling with people that directly call me. And you know, I live I live directly off people. Man, people literally be like, "Here's 500 bucks, come play at the house." And I just play like because because I just like to please my fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, instead of being structured. You know, there's a, there's a good, there's a good thing with me and you being on the radio right now on this, cause it's like, there's two ways, you know, that artists do things. You know, you guys do things very calculated and smart and get and wait. You guys will wait to get, to get, you know, you know, you got to go to a management sometimes through you, you know, you got to wait and do things right. And then there's, there's, there's another form where like somebody like me who just lives every day as an artist and just like the concept of paying bills and all that is almost like. Let me just, let me just be an artist and then I catch my checks. You know yeah. what I mean? But then, you know, then, you know, you're like, we're this entity of 15 years that, that needs to do things. I'd probably, sort of way, I know? mean, I would
1: probably be doing the same thing as you if I didn't have seven kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know seven? had yeah, like ten. <laughs> <laughs> Half a
1: dime, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You're in another couple, hub, I'm a, I'm a few away from a dozen. You're in another you know, hut. Yeah. That's I might have another one in thing Japan too. somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, you know yeah. what? That's another thing too, though. You know what? A lot of people I have this discussion with a lot of artists and I tell them that too. And I'm like, that's probably why it's cool that you said that. Cause you're right. You know, I'm not married and, and homie, I don't take a condom off. So it's like, so you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm like, dude, if, if a condom breaks, I'd be like, can I see you take this pill the morning? Like, I'd be like, can I put it you in your mouth? probably
1: pull out with a condom on Dude, I had, I
0: had, those. dude, I have for years, dude. I have, I have for years. <laughs> Dude, if a condom breaks, and I would be like, you know, we're, we're sitting there after. I'm like, um, you know, can you take the morning after pill? And she's like, yeah. And then I'd be like, can I go with you to go buy it and see you put in your, you know, like, I'm that <laughs> diligent about, I mean, I'm that crazy about, like, I'd have one. Like, I, You know what I mean? I'd have one. I'd just pull up the desk. I'd be like, I've got one right here. How handy. Drink this water. If I have like an emergency water, food, and that pill, you know? So, you know, that, <laughs> that's how I did it, you know? But yeah, tell, tell me. So obviously, having a family man and having kids, your hustle just gets raised on a on another. Have, to, you have yeah. to, I mean, you figure,
1: you figure. Two years after we our first show at the Good Life, right? When I was still doing all these E-Lag shows and I already had a kid, bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. Damn. With an, with an apartment, having to pay bills, rent, and all that at eighteen years old with <laughs> my lady and my and my you know my ex old lady and my my oldest daughter. Right. Right. And, so. I was already even at that time. I was already doing what I had to do to feed my kid, you know. And then, you know, the years go by. You start having more kids, you know.
0: Oh yeah, no, for more sure. You're famous, mama, so like, I know you're trying to have a whole football team. You know what? That that brings me to another point. There's something else that I really want to talk to you guys about. That that I think is brilliant. And I think, and I think the only other time I ever saw it, the ever and the, as far as controlling it and making money off of it, the, the first time I ever saw it before you guys was with the insane clown posse. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and they and they suck, dude. But you know what I mean? So they suck. But I'm just saying, but they're brilliant. They're marketing, they were for a while they were marketing geniuses. Dude, I have really? we have to address it, man. The 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 brilliance of not only the psycho realm logo, because everybody has a logo, but the brilliance of the psycho realm clothing line. That honestly, man, I think and, and that's where I give you guys like a gang of props, man. Because not only is there psycho realm merch for the people, there's damn near psycho realm wardrobe forever. And I know people that only wear psycho realm merch seven days a week, and have hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, exactly. You're showing me like this real like metal keychain and all that stuff like that. Like I've always been down with with merch and stuff, but it's like, dude, the, your 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 gear marketing. I mean, did, did Mr. Cartoon or anything have, have anything to do with that? He did like... the logo. Yeah, okay. uh,
1: he, he drew the logo. And um, but the, the as far as the merchandising, we learned that from ICP.
0: Okay. Yeah. From Insane
1: right? Clown Posse. They, t- they we went on tour with them in '98, and um, we didn't have no merch. You know what I'm saying? It was our first our first big tour by ourselves. We had already done Smoking Grooves, but that was with Cypress. but at Psycho Rum, that was our first like big tour. It was two month tour. Uh, United States, and um, you know, by the first, after the first week, the the uh, uh, Violent J's brother, who was the tour manager and all that, he was uh-huh. like, yo, he was like, yo, man, do you guys do merch? You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys, you know, you guys are leaving a lot of money on the table, and we're like, merch? Like, we saw they were killing it, bro. They were making oh, G's man. a night. Like, G's, homie. They, I saw so a documentary on they had, them. They amazing. had hockey jerseys, t-shirts, sweaters, and they were Selling them for a grip, so we're like, we called we called Tokyo right away, and we're like, hey, we need that album cover uh on a T-shirt. So our we know that's when our first shirts came out: the album cover, the Stone Garden, which was the single cover for Stone Garden, and the gas mask shirt, and okay. we had those, and then the soldier shirt too with the gas mask for the O. Those are like the first shirts that we came out with. You know what I'm saying? The Fuck Love shirt too.
0: That was and a we, big one. I, had, that,
1: that, that, shirt platinum, that shirt's like that, yeah, platinum, bro. That's what shirts like. Yeah, dude. Yeah,
0: dude. Yeah, that you, Fuck Love shirt is
1: like. And um, and um, you know what I'm saying, but they're the ones that put us up on game with that, you know. So we saw what they did, and you know it's the same thing. Tech Nine got their Formula Two, and Tech Nine's killing it. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah, Every, you know everybody that's in the indie in, in the independent level and has their merch game unlocked got it from its a clown. Fosse, yeah, yeah. You know no, I saying?
0: remember watching it before I even knew who they really were. I saw a documentary. Okay, it's like New Year's, right? You know how. I don't know if you know this, but stations like MTV, they basically they have to give uh they there's one hour a year that they have to act that they actually take paid programming mm-hmm. from. And that was the one hour. That Insane they, clown yeah. posse bought a documentary. They bought a and it was a one hour documentary, and all I could see was a it was a dude who had he lifted his shirt and he had every Insane Clown Posse album cover on his back. Yeah, and and he was waiting and he was waiting for the next one. And he had space ready on his back for the next one, and then it was all about the merch. And I and I was like, yeah. damn, that's so because because it's juggalos, really, bro. Yeah, dude, Juggalo. they, oh yeah, they're powerful, man. Oh. I've I've seen many juggalos on tour. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so with you guys, you know, I think you know, going back to the kids, and you know, I got to make money. I got to hustle. My hustle's on high. It's like your merchandise. I mean, I see your boys at every major event, and and I and every time I look, I mean, I've 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 bought about about five or six cycle around different shirts every time I, I see one that, that I like. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's one. My favorite is one, there's really, it's just a picture, like, I think it's one of your old press photos, mm. and it's you and your, I think it's like you and your brother, like that. Yeah. Maybe, I think Be, Be real in it, in too. too yeah. That one, dude, that was yeah. my favorite one right there. And then, uh, last time I saw your brother, he laced me with a bunch of one too. But, um, but, uh, it's like, you know, there's literally, your fans have something tangible. I, I remember being, you know, now I lost, like, 100 pounds, but I remember when I weighed 300, 350 pounds and I would be at these rock shows and like, you know, I'd go to like, you know, I like, you know, I got eclectic taste, dog. I like the Eels and Fiona yeah. Apple and all the shit. And I remember going to rock shows and wanting to buy merch and this shit wouldn't fit me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I would be like, man, don't you make shit? You know, I'd be at an Eels concert at the El Rey and I'd be like, with 50 bucks, I'm ready to buy something. And they'd be like, no, nah, we don't got your size. Yeah. But so it's like, you know, what you guys do Having five X, three X, having—I mean, you just—it's almost gear. You know, I learned that, man. I started making mine when I make my little runs of clothes. I'd be like, man, I gotta have a three X, five, four X, five, x and that—that that was the stuff that was sell. Yeah. And it, and and basically, you know, your your gear, you basically have a lifestyle. There's a cycle room lifestyle. There's a psycho lifestyle. There's a—I mean, I look on Instagram and it's like. You know, from the psycho, psycho chick, something, something, psycho chick seven one four, psycho Sunday, psycho. Sundays, psycho yeah. You know, it's a psycho room kind of day, yo. I'm on some psycho, like yo. I'm on my psycho room grind, yo. I'm on, my, you know what I mean? It's like, so it's like you, you. It turned into a lifestyle, and and with the gear, obviously with the albums, because nothing's more important than the music, even though nobody buys music anymore. But yeah. it, it's like the the music is I, I the thing that captures the people's hearts. But your merch, man, like you can keep your fans dipped up forever. Nobody can – your fans can't say that they got everything. I think the difference between us and a lot of
1: groups is uh, we don't just do tour merch. We do wholesale year-round. So like I got catalogs and seasons. I got a sales rep. You know what I mean? So we got accounts Right. like international. You know what I mean? Like we're shipping to Chile, Colombia, Russia, uh, Italy, Spain, you know. France, Germany, we're shipping all over the that's world. That's what's up, man. Wholesale I... accounts, though, so our stuff's available in stores year-round, which I think is a difference. Is there, like,
0: one website? What's the website?
1: Psychoromonline.com is the main website. Okay. Cool. That's where they can get, you know, whatever we have on there. We have, you know, that's the place where they can find the exclusive stuff. But as far as, like, you know, the fans already know their stores, that carry it. You know what I'm saying? And and that's oh, yeah. that's I think that's a good way because if not, then they got to wait to catch us on tour, or catch us at a show somewhere yeah. to buy the merch. This way, they just buy it year-round. I think that helped kind of uh, to where they, they got it where they could wear a Cycloram shirt every day of the week. You know, what And I'm that's
0: saying? what I'm saying. That, I mean, every day of the year. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I think that that's, you know, brilliant. And it keeps your branding, you know. I remember having a conversation uh years ago with Mr. Cartoon where, where I was going on a tour. And he was like, yo, stop by, Joker brand, you know, Malaysia, you know. And you know, he was like, "Yeah, I like your little Tumex logo, man. You need to do, you know what I mean?" Yeah. And and, I, and 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 seeing the Joker Warehouse at the time, you know, opened my eyes. Yeah, you know? and I was like, "Man, like, you're really smashing it, you know yeah. what I mean?" Like, are, you know, what I mean, those those brothers. You know, it's good to see. You know, from the time, the, the, from the nineties, early two thousands. You know, seeing all those people from the, that time, and now everybody's morphed into all the stuff that they've morphed into. You know. So to me, I'm like super, it's just good I'm to see,
1: proud. it's just good to see all the homies still doing it, still being relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. still putting a dent in, in, uh, you know, in the, in the modern culture of music and art and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Fashion or whatnot. But, um, it's just good to still turn around, go to the agenda, go to magic, go to, go to, you know, an art show or a festival or whatever, whatever, still see the homies there. You know what I'm saying? They're doing
0: things. Yeah. And yeah, no, i for sure, man, I, and uh, you know, like I said, man, I think you guys have left a footprint on this city and on the world. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. Me and, me you and Danny are always like, man, it's smack, You know, someone was like, oh, we got a tour do things. You know what I mean? But yeah. the the another thing I wanted to get into too, man, was how that transition from from the the first cycle Rome album, obviously what happened with your brother, and then how did you always have like cynic and them in the wings? Were
1: they already like, you know what I'm saying? Street platoon. It, it was was psycho and Street platoon. You know what I'm saying? So Street platoon, you know, cynics from Pico Union. We've known him since he was, you know, a kid, nine years old. You know what I'm saying? Eight, nine years old. Crow I met, you know, uh, through some people that I grew up with. They went to Kennedy, uh, Kennedy out there in the valley. Okay. And um that's where they, that's how I met Crow through them. So we're like teenagers when I met Crow and then we kind of put them together. They formed Street Platoon and they were recording, putting out records and then they started doing their shows. So right around when my brother got shot, they were still doing their shows. We would bring them on like Faye Dodos. We brought them on yeah. stage with us to do, um, Killing Fields, you know, which was on, on, on a, a book too. I think they did, uh, they did, a, a, some of their songs, I believe. And, um, they were always around though. You know what I'm saying? And for that moment when I wasn't doing anything because of my brother's situation, they were still doing their shows and still doing the local thing. And uh, I was still getting offered shows and stuff like that. So, you know, I started jumping on stage with Street Platoon, you know, and a lot of promoters were booked Street Platoon and, and, uh you know, I would come as like a package kind of thing or jump on stage with them. And, you know, they would they kind of encouraged me to come back and start doing shows. So That's right. it was good to have them there. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and um, you know, help us. Keep pushing and keep doing shows and keep keep on that grind. You know what I'm saying? And then eventually it just, you know, it turned into that. You know, it was like they're booking Psycho Realm because that's the bigger name. But Cynic and Crow are doing the show with me. So we recorded the Six Symphonies album, you know, the Six Eyed Stories, what we did in this lifetime and all that. And then, uh, you know, me and Cynic went on to do the terror tapes, the record with DJ Muggs, the Legend of the Mask and Assassin. And little by little, just turned into that. Crow left, you know, moved to Arizona. You know, he's a firefighter now out there scraping yeah. bodies off the road or something, you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's it's crazy. Yeah. So well, he's, you know, he's. What
0: happened to Brahman? Was he, wasn't he booking? Was he like take, going with his dad? Yeah. His, or? well, his dad, his dad
1: does, uh, um, he, he was involved in the, in the Spanish industry, you know, radio, promoting bands, producing bands and all that. So he kind of helped his dad out with that, was booking a lot of bandas and all that. Yeah. And now he's just, you know, he's chilling, still does his thing, you know, but, um, He's there, bro. He's actually the one that got me into rapping. You know, so I trip yeah. sure out every time I see him. I'm like, Why'd you go?" You know. I mean? Well,
0: you know what? I want to get into that because that's something I don't even as knowing you too, man. I don't. We've never talked about it. What is? You know, what is like? Who did? Who was really influential in you? Like when you and your brother? I mean, obviously, like by the time I met you, you were already. You guys were already rapping. Like you yeah. know, what I mean. But but what is? What are the groups like? You know, because Room... Other than probably Cypress Hill, you know what I mean, which influenced yeah. all of us. Yeah. Other than Cypress Hill, and and I remember when you first came out because of your high voice. Yeah. A lot of people associated you. Kind but they of, associated it, me with Be
1: real because you know, because, uh, you know uh, the Mexican thing. Yeah. But if you really listen to my style back then, and and I'm talking about pre-first album, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like maybe the demos yeah, uh, I'm that talking a lot about of people like, wouldn't listen to, like the stuff that you heard before the yeah. record came out. Yeah. Um, it was more. Was it because it was of your more, youth? It was more X than anything. You know what I'm okay.
0: saying? Okay. See, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. is it? Is it
1: more? You know what I mean? Is it like? But it was. It was the youth. It was. But it was, just
0: got construed that way because. Because I was down. We were. We were Mexican. So it was and, like. And did you, you know? think because your voice was just high? You know.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you remember that group, Backyard Rangers? Mm. You remember Backyard nah, Rangers uh, from the 805? They, there was this dude. There was this group. Shout out to Backyard Rangers. Um, there were these two dudes, Mexican dudes. And they, they were called back, arranged, And one of them had that, like, but I'm, I'm, I'm the high note, with the high note. Yeah. And he was all like, and and it was like, his voice wasn't like B-reels yeah. or like yours, but just because, you know, it was high and because he was Mexican and he yeah. was tall, he, you know, it was like, oh, man, it's on some B-reel, you know? you know? And I, I just remember, too, like, I think that when you guys first, first kind of, like, came out, I remember people just kind of being like, oh, it's kind of got the same, yeah. you know, kind of vibe, But but... See, that's crazy. Sadatek, See, it's funny that you're influenced by Sadatek. i I'm super influenced by Grand Poopa. Yeah. That was my dude, Grand, because he was, not only was he battle rapping, he was like talking about how he was the best. He was talking about women and he was dropping knowledge. Yeah. So I, he he was a complete rapper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, here he is. He could drop all this like knowledge, God, wisdom cipher. And then he could be like, yo, that honey dip. I'm trying to fuck yeah. that bitch. And then he was like, but I'm doper than you, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and yeah, he she was, was funny. Just stunt. Yeah, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? So it was like, he was like, so, you know, and so, you know, that's kind of dope. So yeah, dude, so give me, you know, for people that don't know, you know, you know, obviously besides maybe like a cyber show and sadat X, yeah. what, give, give me, just name me like, a, you know, one or two influence that really like influenced you guys at that time, like pre cycle room, like I when think you guys we're, were just
1: really fans. The crazy, the crazy shit is that we're more influenced by groups like, uh, Pink Floyd. The doors and like that shows set, that, in your that, record. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, we listen to you know, as Mexicans growing up in the hood, my dad was listening to. My dad's an immigrant from Mexico, so he's listening to everything from from three trios and boleros to to uh, classic rock. You know what I'm saying? Because he was in the Bay Area with his grandma when he was 16 years old. You know what I mean? And, and then uh, right. we're listening to hip hop because it swept through the neighborhood when we were kids. So we listen to so so many different types of music that our influence came from a lot of places you know what i'm saying and, and you could i guess you could tell in the music but i wasn't particularly influenced by any one rapper like sadatix is the only person that i could think of because i used to like his style the way he sounded the way his flow was you know what i'm saying and i thought it was dope you know what I mean, back then i mean you know it, it, the, the voice thing was was a big thing to me you know what i'm saying Like, right right right, right. <laughs> But I wasn't, you know. It, it's crazy because when we when we did the first album, I didn't even want to rap on the record. When B-real was like, oh, we, I want to, I want to jump out because we we're showing B-real demos of like Stone Garden, Confessions of a Drug Addict. This is when I started producing. Uh-huh. Before that, we were getting produced by the Soul Assassin producers, right? You know what I mean? And TRT was doing. The majority of the things, him and his partner. Jay, Jay the record time. Turner? Yeah. Yeah, I just seen him the other day, man. He was producing all our shit before that. That
0: fool, a gangster, man. That yeah. fool. People don't He's know a about fool. that guy. He's a fool. He's a fucking maniac, bro. Yo, man. <laughs> people don't know, man. That You know what? One of the things. Uh, how are we running on time? Hey, are
1: do you want long? to? Why don't we wrap this episode up and then continue?
0: We'll okay. start a new one. It'll cool, be, cool. Put It'll it be, in two yeah, parts. Yeah, this will be the last thing we yeah. right here. I, I wanna, one of the things about this show that I'm trying to do that, you know, I'm just starting this series. Yeah. One of the things I wanna do is, is acknowledge a fucking Jay the Record Turner. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You need to get him on oh, here, bro. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. I want, dude, I have a homie. This show is, if, if this show's influenced by anybody, it's influenced by my homie Kevin Fitzgerald, who's, who works for Rhyme Sayers. And this is the dude that like, he, um, he'll, he'll have a 10 part <laughs> series with, with Son of Berserk, fool. Like you'll yeah. be, you know what I mean? He'll yeah. have like a 10 part series with Lord Finesse. So. And when you and after you listen to this 10-part series, you will know everything you ever wanted to know about Lord Finesse. Yeah. Well, how he, where did you make that beat? What's that loop? Okay. So it's like that's the kind of, you know, people like Jay the Record Turner who ghost produce so much stuff. Yeah, if you, you knew know? the
1: if people knew the beats that he made, bro, they'd be like, What?
0: Yeah, man, it's a cat you know that just saying? walks like, around. Yeah. I see this cat walking around shows and And nobody really knows who he is. I'm like, dude, this is one of the dopest producers ever. But uh, you know, we'll we'll get into that. And in fact, you know what? We're having such a good time, man. And and if you think if I could uh we're gonna we're gonna close this podcast out, and then um you don't have to stay for a whole another one, but if we could just do a little more talking for the second one, brother, like because that you that special of a guest, man, that you know, talking to you, man, it's like it ain't nothing like I wanted to get you for 10 minutes and be like, yo, when's your new album coming out? Yo, yo, playing the Staples center, yo. Check out psycho room, you know, like
1: here, brother. I ain't in cool. no rush to, to get into this cool. traffic, trust me.
0: That's right. So we're gonna so we're gonna end it out. And uh man, that's how that's how things happen in life, man. The this first uh this first podcast was actually I was gonna start talking about myself, which I have no problem doing, and I'm gonna talk for hours and hours about it. But then uh the homie sick jacking came in. We're in the middle of this. Um, join us for this next one for our next podcast. I wanna say what's up to platformcollection.com. That's where you can check out these podcasts. Uh we've got some other shows on there like Wake The Flock dot net, Crappy Awesome podcast. Check us out. But uh we're gonna continue with with the part two of this sick jack and from Psycho Realm and uh get into a couple more things with them and uh we appreciate you uh listening to this and uh AWOL just texted me, you telling me that uh the theme song's out of control and uh it's gonna crack so Check us out. Thank you. Check out part two. Peace.